Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning adult Bible class. We invite you to have your Bible ready in the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalms, chapter 1. Always good to have visitors with us, and we have a few in the audience today, including at least one who hadn't been here in a hundred years. Welcome, Charles. Psalm, chapter 1. Beginning today, for a few weeks, we're going to study from the book of Psalms. We're not going to take up the entire work of Psalms. Rather, I'm going to call this Selected Psalms. I'll take a few minutes this morning to introduce this study, and then we will take up for today Psalm chapter 1. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for every part of thy word, knowing that blessings await us as we explore the word, examine ourselves, and make personal applications. Help us in this study to concentrate and gain the intended benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start the class by highlighting a few things about the book of Psalms. Just some quick introductory points of emphasis. This will not be a prolonged introduction. Number one, the book of Psalms is written in the style of Hebrew poetry. Now, when you say poetry, you may think in terms of poetry you're familiar with, English poetry or Old English poetry. Think of this as the folk psalms, songs of Israel, the folk songs of Israel, mostly written by David, in a form that we may not be entirely conversant with, Hebrew poetry that doesn't have the rhyme and verse and meter of poetry in English that we may have studied when we were in school. Number two, many of these are connected to David's life experience, his history, his journey in life. In some Bibles, particularly those that are arranged in chronological order, you may see how some of the Psalms are connected passage-wise with what was happening in David's life at the time. The daily Bible in chronological order that many of us use for daily Bible reading will demonstrate and help us understand how the Psalms were connected to events in the life of David. Number three, I will say to you that the Psalms is Christ-centered in two ways. One, there are messianic Psalms. That means Psalms containing prophetic imageries that point to Jesus Christ. Secondly, the ethical teachings in Psalms enjoy solid connection to and never contradict the teachings of Jesus Christ. In those ways, the Psalms have a Christ-centered content. Number four, be watching for variety as we go through selected Psalms. You will discover a number of themes that come up repeatedly, but you'll also discover variety. Give you a few examples. There are Psalms that would come under the heading of thanksgiving. Some that would come under the heading of worship and praise. Some of them that detail Israel's history. Some of them are messianic in their emphasis, pointing to Christ. Some are imprecatory, 
I'll explain when we come to those what that's all about. And some are psalms of lament. So there isn't just one theme that covers the entire book. The themes vary from topic to topic. A wide variety of types of writing and topics across the book of Psalms. Next, what are some of the benefits the Bible student can gain from Psalms? I always like to start out identifying what the benefits are going to be, and there are many benefits in the study of Psalms. One, these passages may help you frame your prayers. Two, the Psalms provide insight into God's history with Israel and his relationship with Israel. Three, they show how helpless one is in life without God. How helpless one is in life without God. Four, the Psalms very well express what it means to trust in God, particularly to trust in God when everything in your earthly life seems to be turning in a wrong direction. Trusting in God anyway. That's in the book of Psalms. Number five, the moral instruction, as I mentioned before, connects to the teachings given by Jesus Christ. So, let's open now to Psalm chapter 1. That is your introduction and identification of some of the benefits that we're going to be looking at. We're going to listen now. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here's the way I want to do this this morning. We have six verses. I want to start with the first word. Now, I'm not going to go through and cover every single word, but the first word in Psalm 1 verse 1 is going to be our beginning place. And that word is blessed. If you have the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the Old King James, the New King James, almost every English translation will have that word blessed. So the opening statement in Psalm 1 is what we call in Bible study a beatitude. This is a beatitude in Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. A beatitude in the Bible is a statement of blessing with a condition attached. A statement of blessing with a condition attached. And if you want the blessing that is expressed in the statement, there is a condition you need to meet. We are most familiar with the beatitudes 
of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are the pure in heart. All of those. That's what we think of when we hear that word beatitude. But beatitudes are all through the Bible. They're in the book of Revelation. Back here in the book of Psalms and in Matthew. So here in Psalms 1, if I want to be blessed by God, there are conditions attached to that. Not to walk in a certain way. Not to stand in a certain place. Not to sit with certain people. And then on the positive side, to delight in something and meditate on something. So, the structure here is very simple. It's a statement of blessing that specifies a condition. If you want the blessing, you have to engage in that condition. That's the beatitude format of sacred scripture. Now, clarification. To be blessed isn't equal to perfect earthly happiness. I'm sorry, but it's not. The word blessed, or blessed is the poetic pronunciation, isn't equal to perfect earthly happiness. It doesn't mean perfect health, more than sufficient financial resources, the complete absence of all conflict. When you talk about perfect existence, it's not going to be on earth. Where is it going to be? It's going to be in heaven. So the word blessed here is spiritually defined, not materially defined. This is blessedness in your relationship with God, where you are aligned with God. You are right with God, and He blesses you spiritually. So, here are the things you have. You have forgiveness and strength and hope and all the good things the New Testament says are in Christ. There is no promise in this that your earthly life will be perfectly pleasant, good, perfect health all the way through, no conflict or challenges. That's not what's promised here. But we know that now, here on earth, we endure those difficulties based on our trust in God. And as we trust God and do what this says in Psalms chapter 1, we are blessed by God and being prepared for a place where there will be no bills, no conflict, no sickness, no death. No tears. God's people are blessed now. And as God's people meet the conditions of that blessing and live and walk in Christ, they're being prepared to be eternally blessed. Now, once you get all that in mind, the next question is, well, who is blessed? I mean, it begins by saying, blessed is. And so we got to keep reading to find out who is going to be blessed? The man, the person, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now let's pause and take that in. The happiness that God promises in this verse is conferred upon people who keep their distance from sin. <clears throat> if you flirt with sin, if you see how close you can get to it, you know, to try to begin to get a little bit of the thrill of it, but think that you're not all the way in it. If you have a passionate fascination with what is immoral and dishonest and wrong, you take sin lightly. If it just doesn't bother you that much, you're not going to have the blessedness promised in Psalm 1 verse 1. Because the blessedness of Psalm 1 verse 1 is promised to those who keep their distance from sin. Christ enables us to keep our distance from sin. Listen to it again. Make certain that I'm correct. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Walking, standing, sitting. If you're moving closer and closer to sin, you're moving farther away from God and the blessedness that he imparts to his people. Now, questions or comments? Daryl. That's right. That's literally true, and it is morally true as well. Now, the challenge is formidable. Sin is all around us. We are tempted every day. It's hard for young people who are approached through so many avenues today of seduction. How in this kind of world we live in can we keep our distance from sin and be blessed by God? People say, the devil approaches me every day. This is hard. What can I do? Verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. How can I do this? Well, you can do it if you stay right here. Get your head right here. Do your daily Bible reading. Take your delight in the law of the Lord. Listen to sermons that are Bible-based and come to Bible classes and make certain that your greatest delight is in the law of the Lord. And then the joy and blessedness of Psalm 1 verse 1 will be yours. See, the joy and blessedness of Psalm 1 is not randomly conferred on people. It doesn't work that way at all. It is possessed by those who love God and love His Word and read His Word and study His Word and love it and, and take delight in it and live it. There is a thrill you can have unlike any temporal joy. And that is to know that you know what God has said that you ought to do in your life to keep out of trouble and be blessed. You see people in the trouble of sin all the time. Don't you know people who have turned their lives into a train wreck? living with regret over all the damage they've done. And, and some people you see and know just have reached a point. They don't seem to care that they've messed their lives up and their families and they just kind of shrug their sins and errors off as if it were nothing. You see that. Psalm 1 is telling us 
there is this great exuberant joy and blessedness to know that you're absorbing the Word of God and it protects you from the sorrow and terror of sin. See, whatever you dwell on and think about and learn and concentrate on, that shapes your life. Whatever you read and study and focus on and think about, all of that shapes your life. So if you read and study this and just keep going back to it and take your delight in it, it's going to shape your life. David said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 and verse 11. So, this morning my takeaways are embedded within the lecture. The question is, do you really delight in the law of the Lord? Do you say to yourself when you're ready for your daily Bible reading, well, boy, I've turned the TV off, I guess and uh, shut the computer down, get my face out of the screen, and get this over with. Or do you say, I'm going to get up this morning, and first thing, I'm going to open up the Word of God, I'm going to pray, and it's going to be great for me and my life and everybody that I touch. You see the difference? Do you read your Bible? Do you avail yourself of opportunities to hear Bible preaching and the Bible taught in classes? And then do you take what you've read and use it to review your life and, and make the changes you need to make? Parents, are you zealous, as zealous as you should be about getting your kids in Bible classes and reading the Bible to them? Here's how important this is. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Questions or comments before we continue? I study from a number of different translations. I don't bring all of them into class, but for my own benefit I study. I found this in the New Living Testament that I thought was good. New Living Translation is what that uh, NL, uh, NLT stands for. Translation of these verses we've just studied that I think, well done. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day, meditating on it day and night. Very good material, rich for us. When you want the happiness and the joy promised here, and so you keep your distance from sin by delighting in the law, you will discover in your life great strength. That strength is compared to a tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. One of the strongest things God ever made, trees. God made trees to be nearly self-sufficient. They do not always require a lot of human management. I don't manage the one in my front yard and it's been there since we bought the house. God made them to be strong, to grow on their own, 
But one thing is crucial, where they are planted. The location, the health of the soil. Room for root expansion and regular access to water. Now, we may not do some pruning in, 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 in all cases. But if a tree is planted where it can be nourished, you, you cannot even pay any attention to it over years. And it will thrive. And that's the kind of tree David is writing about. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is written to communicate the strength one can have when you delight in the law of the Lord and keep your distance from sin because you want to be blessed by God. You see how it all connects? Or moving in the other direction, you want to be blessed by God, so you keep your distance from sin by taking your delight in the law of the Lord, and your life is like a tree that is strong. And it may move some in the storms, but it's there when the storm is over. But we have an important pronoun to identify here. Verse 3 begins, he is like a tree. Now, somebody analyzing the grammar of that would say, well, who is that he? Well, you already know. The person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly and who takes his delight in the law of the Lord. Do you see that the person who is right with God, the person who is living right with God, is both happy and strong even though in his or her existence on earth there may be difficulties and pain and conflict. But there's perfect blessedness ahead. I need to move along. Now, what is said of those who do not choose this happiness. Somebody reads this and they say, well, I, the wicked are the ones I get my counsel from. And I, I stand there with sinners all the time. And I really kind of like to sit with the scoffers. And the law of the Lord is really not my delight. I find it kind of boring. So what can be said of those who do not choose this way of life described in the opening part of the psalm. What of those who do not make this choice? Five and six. No, four, five, and six. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, bad news for the wicked. The godly person enjoys blessedness, inner peace and stability, stability and strength like a tree that is strong. But the wicked are not so. The happiness and stability enjoyed by the godly is absent in the lives of the ungodly. Now, we shouldn't turn this into self-righteous boasting. I'm happy and you are not. I'm like a tree and you're like a weed. No, that's not the point. That's not the point of this at all. The point is to show how God responds to one 
in contrast to how God responds to the other. And the wicked are not like that tree, but they're like stuff that sits around on the ground, and when a breeze comes, it's gone. Tree's still there. You see the contrast? And now look at verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is one of those verses in the Bible that will immediately have impact on you depending upon your present condition with God. See, the impact of some verses in the Word of God depend upon where you are and how you're living and thinking right now. So, verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. So if I'm living righteous, and I can do that only in Christ, if I'm living righteous in Christ, obedient to Christ, repenting when I sin, growing, then... Psalm 1 verse 6 encourages me, lifts me up. It is a rich statement that I can embrace. But if I'm sitting over there with scoffers, and I'm getting all my advice in life from the wicked, then I'm going to read this and hopefully reevaluate where I'm headed. The way of the wicked will perish. If you are in the way of the righteous by virtue of the activity of faith in Christ, you can take great pleasure and hope in this statement. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. God knows who you are down to your name, your circumstance. What goes on in your head, He knows. On the other hand, if you're not a Christian, you're not living in the way of the righteous, you should be alarmed by this statement that the way of the wicked shall perish. One of the first commentaries I had in my library when I started preaching so many years ago was Adam Clark's commentary on the entire Bible. I think it was the abridged version, huge book. And when Adam Clark came to this particular place in his comments on Psalm chapter 1, and he came down to verse 6, in bold letters in his commentary, upper type, he just had one paragraph, and it said, Reader, take warning. Reader, take warning. There was not a whole lot of lengthy commentary. He didn't go through and break down and analyze the grammar and define the Hebrew terms. He was very concise and pointed. He... Psalm 1, verse 6, the way of the wicked will perish. Reader, take warning. Your way of life is not approved by God. If you fall into the category here, the way of the wicked. Your way of life is not approved by God. Therefore, your fate can properly be expressed by this ominous word. Perish. The way of the ungodly shall perish. If you have chosen life apart from God without responding to Christ, reader, take 
warning. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So think about that strong tree that's planted in a well-watered place. And the storms come and the tree may move a little, but it stays put. It has strength imparted by God. And then think about the little twigs and the brush, the weeds, the dust, and the wind comes along and it's gone. So do you want to be like the tree or do you want to be like the dust? Listen again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Questions or comments, and then I'll have a few takeaways. Yes, ma'am. Good reference. Some commentators take what is given in Psalm 1 and they break down the entire book of Psalms according to an outline that can be crafted out of Psalm 1. So there are repeated themes that come up all through the book of Psalms. For example, we were talking here about one's delight in the law of the Lord. And if you have a good reference Bible, you'll see like Psalms 112 verse 1, you'll see Psalms 119. In fact, you'll see Psalms 119 uh, mentioned several times in this early, early reference to the law of the Lord. Psalms 119 is about the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord. So she has given a very good reference passage And you will find a lot of those packed alongside your Bible in the column there uh, because these themes that come up in chapter 1 re-emerge with different kinds of imagery and sometimes almost virtually repeated later. Um, A very good observation to make. Anything else? Psalm chapter 1. Notice that... uh, It is association, not just knowledge of the law of the Lord, and not just actual commission of sin, though you need to be aligned with the law of the Lord and not actually commit sin. But notice, walk, stand, and sit 
That is suggestive of, that imagery is suggestive of association. Who you get your counsel from, who you stand with, and who you sit with. So implied in what is stated in verse 1 is to guard associations that would bring you closer and closer to sin. And of course you guard that association by taking your delight in the law of the Lord. If you take your delight in the law of the Lord, you're not going to want to take counsel from sinners or stand with them or sit with them. So it all neatly fits together in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. What else do you see there you'd like to bring up before we move further? I found this uh, put together by a gospel preacher, (coughs) um, used to preach in San Antonio, faithful gospel preacher, Jim Ward. And I was in search for something that would just sort of put all this together for me and help me focus on how it all is cohesive and how it connects. And, and here's what I found from the pen of Jim Ward that I thought was well done. We can be blessed, verse 1, or we can perish, verse 6. We can seek the wisdom of sinners, verse 1, or we can delight in the law of the Lord, verse 2. We can be fruitful, verse 3, or barren, verse 4. Now, here's where he takes that that I I think is, is good for us to consider. Clearly, there are only two roads to travel and only two possible destinations. And just as clearly, we cannot travel wrong and end up right. Now, isn't that well stated? I think that is just an excellent statement of what we've looked at in Psalm chapter 1. And I'm afraid some people have deceived themselves into thinking that they can live under the counsel of the wicked and with the sinners and the seed of scoffers and just somehow in, in some sort of contrived mystery it'll just all be fine on the day of judgment. And you can just, just come on in. Well, that's not the teaching of this passage and it's not the teaching of the, the Old Testament or the New Testament. Now, one more thing I want to talk about, and I'll bring this up again when we come back Wednesday night. You can't read the book of Psalms just as a moralizing rule book and say, well, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, so I'm going to do what's right, and I'm not going to do what's wrong, and I'll be fine. You can't do that and be encouraged about your way of life because Paul said in Romans 3.23, all have what? Sinned. So sooner or later, the moralizing instruction (coughs) in the book of Psalms is going to lead you to conviction. You've sinned. Now what do you do? That's where Christ 
comes into this. So never read Psalms without Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, that's where we are, just about at the end of our time. My voice is just about at the end of, of this session. I'm going to need to get a little water and get ready for the next session. So, um, come back Wednesday night. Let me see what we're doing Wednesday night. I've got it all ready, but I think it's 15, isn't it? Yes. We'll be in Psalm 15 Wednesday night. If you found this beneficial, come back Wednesday night, Psalm 15. Thank you very much.